0: The FT. It's been a couple of hours since the Chancellor of the Exchequer, George Osborne, set out his budget in the House of Commons. But now that the dust has settled on what's been described as one of the most radical reforms of pensions and tax in a generation, mean for you, and what does it mean for the public finances and indeed the politicians? I'm Matthew Vincent and joining me in the studio to give their insights and reaction are the FT's personal finance editor, Jonathan Ely and Robert Shrimsley, editor of FT.com. The highlight of Mr Osborne's uh, budget speech was a package of measures designed to help savers and particularly those approaching retirement. Jonathan, just for the benefit of those who are trying to digest what was announced today, what were the standout announcements in the budget?
1: Well, there were three things in declining order of importance. The first was the very significant changes announced to the uh, regime for defined contribution pension schemes. These are schemes where you you save into a plan and and your pension at the end of it all is dependent largely on what you put in and the investment returns that those investments generate. Um, There were some very significant changes there, which we can talk about in a moment. The other was um, changes to ISAs, one of Britain's most popular savings products, made simpler and more generous. And thirdly, there was this idea of pensioner bonds, which are going to be these kind of low risk fixed rate savings products designed, I think, to alleviate the charge that the government has done nothing for savers in this sort of five years since the Bank of England reduced the base rate to 0.5%.
0: Well, it sounds like the Chancellor's been playing catch up in that case, because let's take the first of those, the changes to um, defined contribution Pensions. Um, It used to be the case that, that people would have to buy an annuity to generate an income, their pension income in retirement. That's all changed. How significant is this?
1: It's enormously significant. I think that the politicians have taken a long, hard look at several things. One is the fact that pension participation has been falling in the private sector for many years now. That's despite the fact that the government spends £20-30 a year on tax relief for pension contributions. And I think, especially in the last 18 months, there's also been a great deal of criticism of insurers and pension providers over some of their practices and some of the charges they level. And I think the government has put two and two together here and seen that the complexity of pensions and the risk of being ripped off or achieving very poor returns has has really put people off saving into them and they've swept away a whole host of the rules that govern what you can and can't do with your money once you put it into a pension wrapper.
0: And that was one of the biggest problems, wasn't it? The, the fact that you were limited in many respects to what you could do with the money that you had paid in from your earnings. It used to be the case that people, most people would have to buy it this annuity it was possible to avoid doing that under the existing rules but it was very complex wasn't it?
1: That's right if you didn't want to buy an annuity at retirement so I mean an annuity is, is basically an insurance contract that pays you a guaranteed income for as long as you live you could go into something called drawdown uh, which is what most people did which is that you would leave your pension fund invested and take an income from it during your retirement but the rules and regulations around that were very very complicated and really you needed a very sizable pension fund uh, to justify complying with all those rules and regulations not surprisingly the result of that was that it was used by very few people most people ended up buying an annuity annuity rates of course at the moment very very low very poor value
0: so the options were drawdown which sounds painful or as you say taking this low annuity rate what will people be able to do under the new regime
1: pretty much whatever they like. They can continue to take an annuity. That, that option is not being shut down. Uh, the big change there though is that uh, the government is proposing that they have the right to free and impartial advice over what to do at the point where they crystallise their pension benefits. One of the criticisms of the uh, the industry is that it's been very quick to push people into annuities even if they weren't quite right uh, for the individual concerned. But there are other choices now. Well, they could go into drawdown as before but with much more generous uh, analysis Hardly any limits, in fact, now about how much they can take. Or they can take more cash from their pension fund. Previously, tax-free cash was limited to 25%. It still is. But if you want to take more than 25% of your accumulated fund, you are now only charged uh, tax at your marginal rate, which for most people will be 20% as opposed to 55% before. Jonathan, can I just ask, will it make it
2: easier for people to shop around when they're looking for an annuity?
1: Um, not in itself, but I think that the right to free impartial advice will lead to a big increase in the number of people who do shop around. I mean, ins- currently, insurers are supposed to tell people you have the right to shop around, don't just buy an annuity from your pension provider. But all the evidence suggests that most people don't. And even if they do, they buy the wrong type of, of annuity. They, they, For instance, they buy a level annuity where the the, the payment doesn't rise with inflation they buy an annuity that doesn't cover their spouse if they die and the most common mistake of all of course is is if you have a a chronic medical condition if you're a smoker or have diabetes or heart disease and you don't declare those uh, you you end up with an inferior income but won't this
2: encourage competition among annuity providers
1: it will, yes, I think it will. Um, the other big change is that at the, the bottom end, um, people will be able to just take all of their pension fund as cash uh, if they have quite a small pension fund. Currently, the limit on that is uh, £18,000. It's rising to £30,000. is a big change that will affect a lot of people.
0: So in simple terms, people will be able to take far more out of their pension pots any time <clears throat> they like, which Robert uh, occurs to me to be not so much just a, a budget for savers, but a budget for voters, or certainly those who are more likely to vote.
2: Yes, I think the politics of this are quite clear. Um, there's a highbrow side to it and a low, low cunning side to it. The high moral part of this, let's, let's give him the benefit of the doubt first, is that ever since Margaret Thatcher allowed people to buy their own council homes, the Conservatives have been looking for the next thing that's like that. And I think there is a substantial element that say what we're saying now is people have the right to own their own pension pot in a way they didn't before. We are freeing them to do this. We are giving you this this freedom. And that's a, a very attractive idea to Conservatives who believe in the right of the individual over the right of institutions. It does mean somewhere down the line we're almost certainly going to have some terrible scandal when people have been missold. But George Osborne will probably be long gone by then. The low politics of this, I think, is terribly straightforward. Uh, The Conservative Party has a lot of elderly voters, a lot of people on comfortable existence, but a fixed income who have been whacked by the interest rates on savings for several years, ever since the financial crisis, who are hurting And who are frustrated and angry and some of them are turning to UKIP. And this is an attempt to pull some of those people back. And the point about people who are getting older is they're more likely to vote. So this is a clear play also to the very people George Osborne needs to keep voting Conservative um, who might not have been.
0: What about the political risk, though? Because there is a danger that if you give people completely unfettered access to all of the savings they've built up in a lifetime... They could lose uh, those savings, they could invest them unwisely, and then the burden falls back on the state for some future administration.
2: Yes, but there's, as I was saying, there's the real long-term risk and the narrow political risk. The chances of that happening before the next election are pretty low. The chances of it happening while George Osborne is in power at all are pretty low. And although the chances of it happening to somebody at some time are probably quite high, the Conservatives will be long gone by then. But it does also play, as I said, to their actual philosophical belief in individual responsibility that people do need to be accountable for their own actions so to some extent they also believe that people are empowered by being given responsibility
0: and the one um big success story in terms of savings and investments uh, for all political parties has been isas Uh, and you mentioned that there's been simplicity brought to the isa regime as well jonathan can you just explain what's happening
1: Yes, the um, in the current ISA system there is a distinction between stocks and shares ISAs and cash ISAs, and the amount that you can put in a cash ISA is basically half the amount that you can put in a stocks and shares ISA, which invests in funds or shares. Uh, the government is basically abolishing that distinction, so the the, um, the the limits will be the same. You can put your money into cash, or you can put it into investment products it's also raising the limits of 15,000 pounds a year from 11,520 at the moment and finally it's permitting transfers both ways so currently you can move your money from cash into stocks and shares but you cannot do it the other way round that distinction will go you'll be able to move your money and put it where you like and i think that's a reflection of the fact that um, most people are still quite risk averse and, uh, and around half of all ISA assets are still in cash, even though um, the, the limit is, is twice as much for stocks and shares products.
0: So, again, more choice, more flexibility. Just finally, you mentioned these pensioner bonds that, uh, that are being introduced. What will they offer to savers?
1: They are rather like time deposits, except that they will be run by National Savings and Investments. They will offer higher than market rates uh with no no real sort of restrictions no kind of gimmicky introductory bonuses or anything like that and uh i think people will feel very reassured by those National Savings and Investments is uh, is a bit of a national treasure. People trust it. He's also raising the premium bond limit as well. Again, that's a very, very popular investment product. I think something like 29 million Britons hold premium bonds.
0: Is there also a possibility, though, that some of this pension money may find itself into into other assets? So you know, pensioner bonds may be very safe and, uh, and very secure. Are people talking about a buy-to-let boom off the back of all this? Well,
1: thing? that is a very interesting question. If you can get your money out of a pension wrapper as soon as you turn 55... There is, as you mentioned, a great danger that A, people will just um, blow it on a round-the-world cruise and a Harley-Davidson, or that they will say, oh, I know, I'll put it in the buy-to-let market or I'll invest it all in a wine collection or some paintings. And uh, as, as Robert said, uh, sooner or later there will probably be an almighty mis-selling scandal. Another risk, of course, is that employers will close down defined benefit schemes at an even quicker rate than they have been doing to date. They will look at the sort of growing attractiveness of defined contributions and think, well, we don't need this risk and liability anymore, we'll shut down these schemes. There
2: is a very interesting passage in the pensions document, precisely... On this point that the government sees the risk of people moving out at a pace of defined benefit schemes and the particular risk to the government is that it actually might deny them a very important buyer of long dated guilt and it might drive up governmental borrowing costs. And it's very clear in the document that they're not going to do anything that encourages that to happen and they're even prepared to legislate to stop it happening. So they are very alive to that risk. The one other point I was going to mention on the politics of this is that this is not a budget or a series of measures for the poor there are other measures for them perhaps but people who are benefiting from these savings and pensions changes are people with a bit of money to spend they're comfortably off or better and so this is also quite carefully targeted politically and it comes with at the time he's introducing a welfare cap to hold down spending on benefit claimants from benefits claimants so accepts know, pensions of mm, course yeah
0: so we know how this is going to play on the uh, on the home page of ft.com how do you think it'll it'll play on the front pages of the papers well, it's very interesting.
2: I think that it will largely reflect the audience of those newspapers, but I think the kind of papers and the kind of websites that uh, George Osborne and David
0: Cameron care about are going to receive this very well. Robert, Jonathan, thank you very much indeed. And that's it for our 2014 Budget Podcast. For the FT's full coverage of the UK budget, go to ft.com forward slash budget and be sure to catch the Money Show podcast special later this week. For more downloads, go to